Oh, yes, there's insanity in my earpiece today. Uh, you know what? This is El Donzo. I'm in. I'm, I'm covering the load again tonight. Uh, Dee's couldn't make it. He's got some stuff going on. So it's going to be a completely solo El Donzo show, just like it used to be. Actually, this is going to be coming back next week. I'm going to start doing my solo shows again. And we're not going to be putting them on YouTube anymore because YouTube's a bunch of... Uh, it's, 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 you try to... I don't know, kind of keep this, you know, not vulgar, uh, sons of bitches. So we're going to be coming back on Rumble and then going to be sharing it on Parlor. See, one of the issues that's come up in 2020 is when I started doing the shows, we would, I would do that and put it on YouTube and put it on Facebook and share it so we could get it out there. And we can't do that anymore. It was right around, I want to say, June or July when they started restricting the content. So that kind of put a damper on this. So that's when we went and actually got podcast hosting and and started doing all that stuff because you couldn't share it. And then even when it got to that point, when you cannot share something you're making because it's political, and, and, and don't get me wrong, anybody else in the world can come out and create something and share something that's political as long as it's political within the boundaries of what that that company, i.e. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, agrees with, then that's okay. As long as you're doing it within their boundaries and within their feelings and thoughts and political leanings, it's, it's okay. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't doing that. So it's really one of those things where you cannot share your thoughts, your opinions, your feelings. Uh, they censor it. it. This started off when we're, when I was doing this on Facebook and YouTube. I could actually pay to promote my podcast. I would pay 20, 30 bucks, and then they would take that and they would go ahead and, uh, you know, disseminate it to the rest of Facebook. I could do ads and all that stuff and get people to click on it. And then about a month and a half in, they stopped doing it. They started putting warning labels on it. And then it became, if it was anything of a political nature, uh, then you had to submit your ID and do all this paperwork to get that done. And to be honest with you, it got to one of those points where I was just completely done with it. It was a no-win situation, as I'm sure a lot of people across the country can tell right now when you look at Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So there's no point in really doing it. Uh, I am on Parler now. And if you're of the conservative leaning, I'd su- I would suggest that you get on uh, Parler as well. Uh, Rumble is what I'm switching the format over to instead of YouTube because YouTube's the same thing. They You have to follow their community standards. Uh, Rumble's pretty straightforward. They let you put whatever you want on there. Um, Twitter's another issue. So I'm still on Twitter, but I'm making my way off of it. And I'm already off Facebook. I still have an active account. I can't remember how to sp- my damn password, so I can't act- actually deactivate it. But I'm in the process of doing that. Uh, so yeah, get over to Parlor and hit me up. It's El Donzo. Same thing it's always been. I get a, you get a, you get to see a picture of my bright smiling face when you get on there too. If you can look up El Donzo, 
So go ahead and get on Parlor and follow me. Like I said, next week I'm going to start the solo podcasts again. They run from anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. So do a couple of those a week and get this going. <clears throat> so let's get right down to it, what we've got going on this week. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, with the election, you know, Biden supposedly being the uh, president-elect, what's going on with the fraud, the ballot stuff, and all this, all, everything. I mean, there's a, we talked a couple of weeks ago about this, this Israeli uh, guy that worked for the Israeli Space Agency came out and said that we're in an alliance, a space federation with aliens, and they've, like, colonized Mars underground, and the astronauts go there. They're supposed to go to the International Space Station and all this other weird stuff. Um, excuse me. So there's a lot of stuff going on, but one thing I wanted to bring up, which just makes my heart melt, okay? It just makes me so giddy with excitement. I just can hardly contain myself. Is There's a recall effort underway right now as we speak for Gavin Newsom. And if you don't know who Gavin Newsom is, Gavin Newsom is my state of Illinois' uh, governor equivalent in California. He is a class A piece of shit, okay? And they've actually got one of the largest recall efforts underway for him right now. Over, And it's not just Republicans. In, believe it or not, there's, there's Republicans in California. They exist there, just like there's Republicans in Illinois. They don't like the political situation they're in, but you know what? They're there. They got to deal with it. They have family there. They have roots there. They have ties there. Um, it's not just Republicans. This is, uh, and this is from the Washington Times. California Governor Newsom has had a rough year. The next one might be even tougher as a recall effort appears to be gaining momentum. Fueled by party outrage over the first-term Democrat dining with friends at an opulent restaurant while telling state residents to spurn social gatherings to stay home. If you haven't heard about this, he was, after he told everybody to stay home and how, how critical this coronavirus is and how deadly it is, and oh my God, you can't believe it, You'd, you all just need to stay home, you need to do your part, safer at home, blood on your hands, all this other shit. He goes to the swanky place called the French Laundry. That's got like white truffles and some dinner. I can't remember what it is. 1200 bucks a plate. Somebody sees him there and snaps pictures of this at this French laundry, this real swanky place. I mean, it's $1,200 a plate. And this isn't a fundraising thing, okay? He was there for like one of his buddies who, <laughs> surprise, surprise, happens to be a lobbyist. He was there for this guy's birthday party. Somebody saw him. They were supposed to be dining outdoors. Well, they weren't dining outdoors. They were indoors they didn't have masks on they weren't social distancing hypocrite 101 right here uh and i and i don't know if you remember this it i'm paraphrasing because i don't have it in front of me but when he was confronted about this he said some dumbass thing i think it was along the lines of when he got called out he goes well you know i did sit down and eat instead of sitting down i should have stood up I should have stood up and put a stop to that. No, you don't care. You knew what you were doing. To go out there every day and preach something. I mean, think about that. You're going out there every day and you're telling people. You're shutting down businesses. You're it, The people in your state are facing foreclosure on their homes. 
foreclosure on their businesses. They can't make ends meet. They can't make money to feed their family. They can't make money to keep their car payment up. And you're telling them to stay home while you go out to these $1,200 a meal restaurants? And what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, really think about this. And he's not the only one. You got governors in other states doing this too. Jellybean Pritzker here in the state of Illinois. He's a he's a notorious example of this. Uh, Bill de Blasio telling people to stay home and wear a mask and social distance, except when it comes to Black Lives Matter. Then we can go out there and riot with them and play and paint Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower in large groups of thousands of people. Then it's okay to do it. You know it. And we haven't talked about George Floyd, Floyd in a while. And to be honest with you, I really don't want to talk about George Floyd at this point. If that makes any sense, that's that's old news. But the problem is, it's like a bad nightmare. It just keeps coming back up. You still got Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Even after Biden has been named, not by me, but by a lot of people, the president-elect, you still got, there's another autonomous zone going on in, I don't think I have it in front of me, I think it is uh, Seattle. I think it's another one. They've taken over an abandoned house and they're blocking off the streets. And you know what gets me about this? Every time they do this, the police, they have their back against the wall. They're always told by the mayor. The last one was Ted Wheeler in Portland. They want to handle want to handle it delicately and give them every chance they can. Since when did we start negotiating with terrorists? I mean, that's my big question. When was this okay? Why? Because you're putting skin color into the mix? Because you're putting some made-up social status into the mix here. It's okay for you to do whatever you want because of that. Anyway, this thing going on with Gavin Newsom right now, uh, it's pretty big. They've got, let's see here, I think they've got over 800,000 people to sign this petition so far. And not just Republicans, they've got Democrats coming out. Uh, The guy that's in charge of it was on the news. And he was saying that people are flagging them down. They've got like 40 or 50 different stops in California. You can go sign this petition. They got drop boxes, all this other stuff. It's a big thing. You know what really pisses me off about Gavin Newsom is two things. His name. He's a 50-year-old man, and his name is Gavin. Gavin. Come on, Gavin. Let's go. Stop throwing a hissy fit, Gavin. Gavin Newsom. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's... Potatoes, potatoes, a guy's name. It's just something like, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, what, how, how can I put this? It's like a 50-year-old man named Chip, if that makes any sense. Like, really? Anyway, the thing that pisses me off the most about Gavin Newsom, aside from his politics and how he treats his state, is he looks like Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. He does. He looks like he could be Mitt Romney's kid. Mitt Romney's older than he is. You know Mitt Romney, the the rhino Mormon from uh, Utah. You know who I'm talking about. You know the turncoat, the fence rider, all that stuff. He looks like Mitt Romney's kid, and he acts like him too. He's so phony, just like Mittens. Did you know that was Mitt Romney's name? Mittens? Mittens, Gavin, Mittens, Gavin. Just a bunch of puds, if you ask me. Anyway, so that's one strike he's got against him. But the big thing is he's doing the same thing a lot of uh, Democrat governors are doing right now, which is pretty much ruining people's lives. For why? We don't know yet. Is it a power struggle? Is it this this complex they have? Is it like the Napoleon thing? We don't know. But it looks like Gavin's not in for a very good 2021, if you ask me. 
So we're going to be following the recall, hopefully, uh, either through the solo podcast or in Deez's back. We'll be talking more in depth about that. Now, in other news today, Representative Andy Biggs, a Republican from Arizona, this is from Newsmax, told them on Thursday that he's leaning in heavy support of Representative Mo Brooks' Brooks's plan to contest the 2020 election. Biggs told American Agenda that right now I'm leaning heavily into supporting the plan because we've seen so many allegations. Allegations of fraud, allegations of the Dominion voting machines, everything that can be possibly used to flip votes is overwhelming right now in this election. I said this a couple of weeks ago. This is like this is like if I'm driving down the road and I'm a mile away from my house and I see smoke coming from where I think my house should be. And I'm met by a fire department, a truck. Let's say a fire truck. A fire truck? Say a fire truck. And he stopped me in the middle of the road. He says, sir, you can't go any further. And I said, but wait a minute. My house is on fire. It's right down the road. He goes, no, that's not your house. No, yeah, it is. That's my house. My house right there has smoke coming out of it. You're a fire department. You stopped me in the middle of the road a mile away, and you're not letting me down there. My house is on fire. Sir, no, it's not. It's the next house down. Well, then let me go to my house. And he goes, no, we can't let you down there. And I start seeing flames shooting from my house. I mean, look, that's my house. It's on fire. No, no, that's just an optical illusion. Nothing to see here. Here, go, go to a hotel or something. This is how bad this has gotten right now in America. With these people discrediting and calling this baseless claims of fraud, baseless allegations. Oh, well, this has been debunked. Just like at the TCF Center. Uh, the State Farm Arena down in Georgia in Fulton County. Well, that's been debunked. Well, they weren't pulling out suitcases. Yeah, they were. We saw, no, well, they weren't suitcases. They were specialty boxes. Well, they were still had them stashed away and pulling them out. To think, to think that you're going to have all these allegations and raise all these questions to 75 million people that are questioning this, and you're going to go, there's nothing to see here. This is, that, just go ahead and move ahead. You're just, this is... This is just hysteria. This is conservative hysteria. Trump lost. Get over it. Well, no, damn it. We're not going to get over it. Anyway, we'll get back into that in a minute and how I feel about the state of affairs. Following this up. Uh, so anyway, Andy Biggs is supporting Mo, Mo Brooks's plan to contest the 2020 presidential election, which her plan is on the 6th when Congress meets is when they read off the states and they go over the electoral votes, uh, representatives have an opportunity to challenge that and say they don't agree, and then it goes into this, I wouldn't say it's a runoff necessarily, but they have to have a senator jump on board with that, and then they can, I think it's two-hour discussion, and try to get other people on board with this. It's, it's basically going to go nowhere. Historically, this has always always gone nowhere. Now, my first thought when I hear them talking about this, the first thing that pops into this feeble mind of mine is, okay, I think it's kind of cool. We got problems. We got to solve them. But this is going to set a dangerous precedent in the future if we can test this and then we win it. That's my first thought. This sets a, Is this really worth it? And my second thought is, hell yeah, it's worth it at all costs. We have to do something. It's proven that this election has been stolen. So, we didn't set the precedent, the Democrats did. I mean, talk about this. Talk about precedent setting. Back in 2017, 
Byron York wrote something really great up the other day. He said the ceremony back in 2017 began when then-Vice President Joe Biden and members of the Senate went to the House chamber. This is on January 6th. The event called for the announcement of each state, followed by the announcement of the Electoral College results for that state. Things went off track at the very beginning when the results from Alabama were read. Representative Jim McGovern, a Democrat from Massachusetts, rose to protest. And he said, and I quote, I object to the certificate from the state of Alabama on the grounds that the electoral votes were not, under all of the known circumstances, regularly given, and that the electors were not lawfully certified, especially given the confirmed and illegal activities engaged in by the government of Russia that were designed to interfere with our election. Okay, Representative Jim McGovern said that. This is 2017. So he's calling out election fraud in 2017, which we know didn't happen. According to the rules, McGovern's protest could not go forward unless a member of the Senate joined in. When asked if there was a senator on his side, McGovern said no. Biden said in that case, the objection cannot be entertained. But this was just a start. When the count got to Florida, Democrats again rose to object. They objected to the results from Georgia, too. Without a senator's support, Biden ruled them out of order. Then came Michigan. And Democratic Rep. Barbara Lee rose to object because people are horrified by the overwhelming evidence. Remember, this is 2017 after Trump's become elected. Because people are, over, are horrified by the overwhelming evidence of Russian interference in our elections. Lee also cited the malfunction of 87 voting machines at predominantly African-American precincts. Without a senator joining in, she was overruled as well. But this still wasn't over. Democratic Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee rose to object on the massive voter suppression that included counting ballots that were provisional that denied individuals access to polling places. Representative Barbara Lee rose again to object on behalf of the millions of Americans, including members of the intelligence community who are horrified by evidence that the Russians interfered in our election. In all, there were five more interruptions before the process limped to a close and Trump's electoral votes were ratified. A total of seven House Democrats took part in the effort, with others cheering them on. Now, a couple things to take away from this. So we see that they've already set the precedent. We know that Donald Trump has legal challenges out there right now. We know that they have plenty of them. And you know what? We're, gonna, we're also going to go back to, wait a minute, this isn't the first time this happened. And this isn't the first time this has happened either, but it's a really notable time. January 6, 2001, a joint session of Congress met to certify the electoral vote. This was back between uh, George W. Bush and Al Gore. Twenty members of the House of Representatives, most of the members of the all-democratic Congressional Black Caucus, rose one by one to file objections to the electoral votes of Florida. However, pursuant to the Electoral Count Act, any such objection had to be sponsored by both a representative of the House and a senator. No senator would co-sponsor these objections, deferring to the Supreme Court's ruling. Therefore, Gore, who presided in his capacity as president of the Senate, just as Joe Biden did in 2017, ruled each of these objections out of order. 
and he was hailed for it. Oh, what a brave guy. He could... No, 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 this is the rule. Subsequently, the joint session of Congress certified the electoral votes from all 50 states in the District of Columbia. Now, what's the difference between what the Republicans are doing? I'll tell you what the difference is. You're going to have senators. I called him the Cruz missile today, Ted Cruz. You're going to have Rand Paul. You're going to have a handful of other guys joining in and taking the side of, um, of Mo Brooks on this. It's going to be a big deal. Now, the other difference is that the Republicans actually have tangible evidence of vote manipulation and fraud. They've got it. It's, it's, it's rife. I mean, it hasn't been more crystal clear and clear-cut since 1960, in which you've heard me talk about 1960, what went on then. We had Kennedy, we had Nixon. Kennedy was set to win. Uh, and then the Daily Machine of Chicago took over. They kind of did the same thing. They stopped the vote counts, rigged everything. And then, of course, LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, being from Texas, the senator, they rigged Texas for him as well. There was only one other time in American history where the, the losing candidate won Florida in Ohio. And you guessed it. It was 1960 between Kennedy and Nixon. Another election rife with fraud. So definitely a lot of similarities between these two elections. You know, factor that in with you've got nearly 70% of Republicans. I think we're somewhere in overall close to 40% of America believes that this was taken. This includes Democrats and independents as well. This has to be challenged. And look, if Joe Biden comes out, or if it comes out that Joe Biden was legitimately elected, which there's no way you can think that by looking at the evidence, but if he was, then he's my president. We got four years from now, we get another shot at it. That's how all Americans should think. And that's how I went into the 2016 election thinking about this as well with Hillary Clinton. I expected everybody to kind of have that same thought process, and they didn't. All they did was for four years talk about how our president wasn't legitimate, talk about how Russia flipped this for him, how he's colluding with Russia. We've been over this before with the Russian collusion, and then they tried to impeach him for a phone call he had with President Zelensky and all this other BS. This is different. Every time that side has come out and taken just a hard stance on something, they've been wrong. Nearly every time they've been wrong. Rush Limbaugh, made a statement and he got tore apart for it and I listened to this I listened to this live while it was going on and it wasn't what people were making it out to be Rush Limbaugh made a statement that the country is heading for secession that there's two sides they're they're inexplicably opposite they cannot coexist at this point this is where this is going. And he's right. This is where it is going. Does that mean I want it? Does that mean he wants it? Does that mean anybody wants it? No, but that's exactly where this is going. This wasn't, you know, uh, political parties from 10, 12 years past, the Republicans and the Democrats, where everybody got along and, you know, had drinks after work and Perhaps they argued about politics. Maybe they didn't. But in the end of the day, everybody was friends. Everybody was happy. It's gone so far beyond that at this point. I don't think we're heading for a civil war. I think we're already in one. I mean, for God's sakes, the last civil war that 
happened in America in the early 1860s was started over far less than what we're dealing with now. Far less. This is a bad deal. You've got people going, forget the term, full retard on everything right now. There's, I don't know how we're going to get this back. One of the Biden staffers said, she called the Republicans fuckers, I think it was. I think that's what it was. I, I can't remember. And and then there was a back and forth between the right and the left about, you know, the right was, how dare she call us that? Then the left, you know, rightfully said, well, you know, you've had President Trump and he said worse things, which, yeah, he has. He said bad things. The point is, you're calling for unity. And then the people you're calling for unity with, you're also calling them fuckers at the same time. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, we've had so many legal challenge, challenges with this election. I mean, what are we, we're December 18th right now. This has been going on for almost two full months. It's getting there. When Texas filed their lawsuit, and they had all these, I think it was 18 or 19 other states join in on it, because of the way that it was Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin changed their voter laws at the last minute without the the legislature. It was an unconstitutional change. So Texas said, hey, wait a minute. This is unconstitutional. By doing this and doing it falsely, voting for this president and getting him elected, or this president, this candidate and getting him elected, you are disenfranchising our votes. Now, I thought the only way that the Supreme Court will not hear this, I'm not saying rule on it and, and find in favor of Texas. I'm saying will not hear it. How could it be? It has to be intimidation. It has to be, it has to be black. It has to be something. How could you not take this? The American people are clamoring for this, and you're not going to do it. Well, we've had some, uh, some reports come out in the past 24 hours uh, that Chief Justice John Roberts didn't want to do it because it was probably going to be too much of a pain in his butt. And this is from the populist press. Uh, a source deep inside the U.S. Supreme Court discussed the pending Texas lawsuit against Pennsylvania. And here it is. This is the quote. How, as you know, I'm a clerk for one of the justices on SCOTUS. Today was like nothing we have ever seen. The justices are arguing loudly behind closed doors. The justices met in a closed and sealed room as is standard. Usually it is very calm. However, today we could hear screaming all the way down the hall. They met in person because they didn't trust telephonic meetings as secure. Chief Justice John Roberts was screaming, Are you going to be responsible for the rioting if we hear this case? Don't tell me about Bush v. Gore. We weren't dealing with riots then. You are forgetting what your role here is, Neil, and I don't want to hear from the two junior justices anymore. I will tell you how to vote. Justice Clarence Thomas says, was heard saying, this is the end of democracy, John. And when they left the room, Roberts, the Libs, and Kavanaugh had big smiles. Alito and Thomas, the two mainstay conservatives, were visibly upset. Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch didn't seem phased at all. Now, is this completely true? Uh, do we have hard evidence of this? No. But if it is true, then John Roberts needs to be uh, facing a tribunal 
This isn't his job to decide whether he hears cases or not based on social backlash. The left has gotten this country so far into a cuckold with this BS that now we have reports that the Supreme Court doesn't want to take cases because they're afraid of riots. That's what this country has turned into. That's, that's why the whole secession thing, whether it happens or not, I mean, if you look at it, it makes sense that it would. When you've got the Supreme Court, which is really the last barrier we have for our Constitution, deciding to hear something based on whether it will create conflict, if that's true, that's horrible. I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's almost the end of the country at that point. We know a lot of, we know the Democrats don't like Donald Trump. We know there's a few never-Trumpers like that idiot Mitt Romney and Chris Christie and Mike Rubio that all played the game as long as they had to, but as soon as it became an out for them to get away with Trump, they embraced it and they took it, even Mitch McConnell. Now, I think Mitch McConnell's playing ball because he thinks, and maybe logically, that there's no way for President Trump to be in office after January 20th. I get that. Could have had a little more couth about it. He could do some more fighting, and I'll tell you why. This is worth fighting for at this point. This isn't a harebrained scheme. This isn't This isn't accusations and innuendos. This actually happened. They actually stored, stole this damn election. Do I think... Do I think Trump's going to be in office after the 20th? I don't know. I, you know, if I was a betting guy, I would have to say that this will get resolved. We will know everything that happened. Unfortunately, I believe that Biden's already going to be in office at this point. That's my prediction. And it isn't the prediction that I want to have. It's not, I'm a realist. Anybody that knows me know I'm just, just being honest. Do I think there's a chance we can pull this out of our asses? Yeah, I do. But at this stage in the game, it's got to be something great. It's got to be something earth-shattering. And I say that, but on the other hand, it doesn't matter if it is earth-shattering. God himself could come down and say this election was stolen from Donald Trump. The Democrats won't believe it. The rhinos won't believe it. They may believe it, but they don't want to. They don't want to let on to it. They don't want to deal with Trump anymore. Trump held people accountable. And now it seems that the Supreme Court of the United States doesn't give a shit either. And that really bothers me. It's not that I think that that the three, which was Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, it's not that I think they owe Donald Trump something, because they don't. Nobody on the Supreme Court owes Donald Trump anything. But they owe the American people to hear this. And when you've got this, you know, 70 million Americans, at least under the belief that this election was rigged or stolen, they owe it to them to at least hear the case and decide. At least shut it down once and for all. At least say, yep, you know what, this was, there was BS going on here, there was shenanigans or chicanery or whatever they want to call it. Or they can say, we looked at all the evidence, we've ruled, we've gotten with both parties. And this is what it would be. There was fraud, but there wasn't enough fraud to flip the election. I swear to God, if I hear one more person tell me this was the most secure election in the history of the United States, I'm going to pour my beer on their head. Because anybody, Ray Charles could look at this and know that this wasn't the most secure election in the history of the United States. 
There's no way. I mean, look at it this way. In the beginning, in the beginning, the left went, there was no fraud. There was no fraud. There was no fraud. And the more that came out and the more that came out and the more that came out, they said, well, there's no, no evidence of widespread voter fraud. And then they kept coming out and coming out. Well, there wasn't enough fraud to flip the election. Even Bill Barr's doing that now. And I like Bill Barr. And I think Bill Barr is walking a tight line. Okay, I really, I think he's on a tightrope right now. But, you know, it's one of those things I'm probably going to butcher this or I'm just going to make it up on the spot. You know, there's, there's some times where ordinary men need to do extraordinary things. And, and this is one of them. Uh, yeah, it's just really a bad deal for the country. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to find out. Hopefully they get this straightened out soon. But my big fear getting back to it is this will get resolved, <clears throat> except for the fact that it will get resolved after the election is over. And then what? What happens when they hear this? And, well, yeah, Biden's still the president. He's not legitimate, and we've proved he's not legitimate. Not like Donald Trump was in 2017 where everybody wanted him to be illegitimate. But they proved Biden's an illegitimate president. What do they do? They can't just take Trump back into the White House, can they? There was also uh, talk about um, and Sam 57, which was signed in. It was a national security measure signed in by JFK, which a lot of people speculate was a reason that he was actually shot. Look this up, and Sam 57. I, from what I've read, Trump enacted and Sam 57 on the 17th of November which takes special operations away from the CIA and puts all special operations under the military. Why would he do that? Because he doesn't have control of the CIA because the CIA has gone rogue. We don't know yet. But it's something that's it's interesting. There's a lot of things going on here. So do me a favor. Get the stuff we've talked about. Go out and look this up. It's right in your face. Ooh. Tell you what, let's move on a little bit. What do you think? Let's, yeah, the election. I tell you what, I could go on for the, about the election for hours and maybe even just repeat myself or come up with hyperbole. I don't know, but let's, let's get that election stuff out of the way. Let's talk about how messed up our country is right now without the election. And this is from The Blaze. Transgender clinic set to host seminar on the problem of whiteness. The baby who is born pink learns to become white. The baby who is born pink learns to become white. I'm sorry, I had to read that again. An NHS transgender clinic will host what the Daily Mail reports is an anti-racist seminar on the problem of whiteness. So, not only are people pushing for children, transgender community, which they're not in the transgender community yet, but the transgender community and this whole alphabet people, LGBTQI as Dave Chappelle calls them, the alphabet people, are pushing for stuff as messed up as puberty blockers for kids so they have plenty of time to decide what gender they are. They're also pushing this this problem of whiteness, which in itself is inherently racism. Look, look, I get it, okay? 
you know, there was white people that did bad things. There was black people that did bad things. There was red people. There was brown people. There was people that did bad things. I can't get over that. The baby who is born pink learns to become white. No, you're white. And if you're born brown, you're black. But here's the thing. Why do we have to keep looking at this? Why do we have to keep dissecting this on a daily basis? You know, we were moving so close to taking race out of the equation. And in the past eight years, they've brought it right back in. It's got to be about race now. It's got to be about white versus black. Makes me sick. It does. I had another one here real quick. I went, ooh, here it is, here it is. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Speaking about wokeness and whiteness and blackness and brownness and all the polka dot and everything else. News and politics, it's the ballet's turn to get woke. So I guess this is, this is interesting. I'm kind of rereading this right now. Uh, Swan Lake. Swan Lake had a black member, and I think this was in Paris, if I'm not mistaken. So Swan Lake, the ballet, I mean, you're all familiar with that, Swan Lake, had a black member. Let's, let's look at this. One of the company's ballet mistresses told the company's one black dancer, Chloe Lopez Gomez, to use the paint as well. The paint being this grease paint that makes you appear white. Gomez says she told the ballet mistress, I'll never look white, to which the mistress responded, well, you have to put on more than the other girls. The incident dominated the front page of the Times Arts section and was flagged on the front page of the paper itself. It was that important. The Stotts Ballet Berlin issued a groveling apology, taking responsibility for society's structural racism. The company has promised to hire the usual phalanx of diversity trainers to provide mandatory anti-racism workshops. The organization will also examine its repertory for outdated and discriminatory ways of performing and will reevaluate its long-standing traditions, it says. Swan Lake, all the swans are white. They have a black ballet dancer, which there's nothing wrong with that. participating in Swan Lake, which is all white swans, nothing wrong with that, and they want her to look like a white swan, and everybody loses their damn minds. There's going to be lawsuits over this. You know, this is like, oh, well, the Hamilton thing. You remember the the, the play Hamilton? It was a black guy. All right, yeah, whatever. Do whatever you want to do. But when you come to work on a production, a ballet production, and you're black and they say, hey, you got to portray a white swan, the stuff we go through nowadays, it just blows my anyway, it just blows my mind. Between that, the transgender thing, and when I say transgender thing, I don't mean about these horrible transgender people. I mean about how bad this is being pushed. If that makes any sense, it's how bad everything's being pushed, not only in the country, but around the world. Everybody gets offended. Everybody has to kowtow to this person. Everybody has to kiss this person's ass. It's just amazing to me. Oh, boy. what? Do, you know what? I got one I want to go with here. I think. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. And we'll get back to, uh, we'll get back to the election here in a little bit. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he's, he swings liberal. 
okay? And we were talking about the coronavirus, and I had some issues with the coronavirus. My biggest issue is not so much with the virus, which I don't like the virus. It's caused me a lot of trouble. It's caused a lot of people a lot of trouble. Uh, I would have to say my issue with that is the way it's been handled and treated, which is the deadliest thing to hit the planet. We all have to hunker down. We all have to quit our jobs. We all have to close up our businesses. We can't see people. We can't see our kids. Can't see our grandparents. We're all losing money. We need a federal bailout. Over what? I've seen enough evidence of this, and I told him, excuse me real quick. I've seen enough evidence of this that I'm convinced of it. As they're inflating the numbers, they're inflating the numbers of positives, COVID positives, and they're inflating the number of deaths. Now, this guy's pretty switched on for being a liberal. And he says, well, I haven't seen anything about that. I said, yeah. Somebody dies in a car crash. And they, get, and they test positive for COVID-19 at the time of the death. That's listed as a COVID-19 death. He goes, well, I haven't seen this. I said, well, I'll, I'll send it to you. So the next day at work, I go through and I pick up like seven, eight, nine, ten different uh, different links to these stories. That, 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 and they're, they're government health officials in each state referencing, referencing the CDC saying that, yes, if at the time of death, they die and they're COVID positive. You have to list it as a COVID positive death. So I sent that to him. And what really started putting all this together for me is if you get on John Hopkins's, I believe it's John Hopkins. Google had one going that was really good, but you can go to John Hopkins as well. Uh, the COVID-19 map. And look at that. We're actually doing worse in India. Now, in India, they have no sanitation. They, they shit in the streets in India. And you're telling me the United States, the greatest country on the face of the planet, is doing worse than India is? Give me a break. There's no way. Couple that with the fact that we have the CDC and all these state health officials coming out across the country saying that, yeah, if it's a COVID death, then that's how we list it. Or, excuse me, if it's a death by something else, but they're COVID positive, we list it as a COVID death. In our state of Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker, uh, he... They're naming COVID positivities, excuse me, they're lumping probable COVID cases in with positive COVID cases. So that means if three people come to a clinic and two of them test positive for COVID-19, okay, they get the positive test, and one of them comes in later and is waiting on his test to come back, they list that as a COVID positive. And then yeah, it all comes out in the wash if he doesn't test positive. That's BS. They're stacking this. They're stacking it in a horrible way. But the problem is they're using that to suppress us. They're using that to keep us down. Here's an example. In Colorado, they're counting gunshot fatalities as COVID deaths. A coroner in Colorado is sounding the alarm over how deaths in her county are being counted and attributed to Wuhan coronavirus. They had, let's, let's see here real quick. I think it was two. I'm trying to find this. I think they had five COVID deaths, COVID-related deaths, or classified as COVID deaths, and two of them were gunshot victims. They were shot. They died of a gunshot, but they tested positive for COVID. Considering how many people are asymptomatic, it doesn't make any sense that somebody would die of COVID-19 if they got a bullet through their damn head, would it? 
You explain it to me. I haven't heard anybody be able to be able to counter that with a logical explanation. Anybody I've brought forth this this information to just ignores it. Nobody has brought up, like I said, a logical explanation to this, which makes me wonder sometimes. I've got some more Hunter Biden stuff. I don't know if we're going to get into it. I think it's made the news by now, but let's see what we got here. Whoa. A lot. Ooh, did you? Well, you know what? We're going to go. We're going to go into Biden. Another Blaze story for you. You may not have heard this. Iranian president boasts there's no doubt Joe Biden will bow to Iran and lift sanctions. So one of the big things with uh, Biden being elected, which we go back to Hunter Biden, his dealings in uh, in uh, Burisma. And CEFC in China, Burisma in the UK, and CEFC in China, was that he was bought and paid for by those governments. We know that when Joe Biden was vice president, Barack Obama had the Iran nuclear deal, which Trump, well, pretty much pun intended, nuked. Uh, so one of our concerns, one of my concerns, is that getting Joe Biden back in, he's weak. He's going to be bought. He's going to be bought by China. He's going to be bought by the Ukraine as well. Now it seems like Iran is welcoming him back with open arms. The Iranian president, Hassan Rouhani, recently boasted about his country's prospects now that a new president has been elected in the United States. Well, of course, it's somebody that's weak that was in the Obama administration. Why wouldn't they love him? Wuhani said, I have no doubt that the heroic national resistance of Iran is going to compel the future U.S. government to bow, and the sanctions will be broken. He said Thursday in a televised address introducing several infrastructure projects, according to the Washington Post. This guy is so cocksure that he's going to be able to make America kowtow to Iran. Iran is a shithole country. Think about the big four. You've got Iran, you've got China, you've got Russia, you've got North Korea. We'll get to Russian a little bit. Did you hear about the Russian hacking? Yeah, we'll try to we'll try to get to that. He also said if the sanctions can't be lifted in a correct, listen to this. He said if the sanctions that Donald Trump has placed on Iran cannot be lifted in a correct, wise, Iranian Islamic and dignified manner, this should be done. He said during a televised address, but our main focus should be on neutralizing the sanctions and the initiative for this is in your hands. The lifting of sanctions is in the hands of the enemy, but nullifying them is in our hands. More psychobabble from an idiot in Iran. It's also come out that in addition to this, which we see what Iran wants, we know what China wants. China's got to listen to man's for Joe Biden. We'll try to get to that in a little bit. Let me see if I can bring it up here real quick. A little jumbled up. Make sure I got my stuff together. The Chinese communist leader, Xi Jinping, wants a healthy and stable dialogue with the new president of the United States. But he is also getting China militarily ready for actual war. The duties and sanctions imposed by Trump will remain. The U.S. strategy of encirclement faces China's counter-containment. Technological decoupling is a risk while Taiwan and Hong Kong remain thorny issues. 
This is Asian News. Joe Biden himself said the United States does not need to get tough with China. So he's already... Now, here's the thing. If you don't know about it, Hunter Biden and CEFC, which is the biggest gas company, I believe it was a gas company, energy company in China, had these dealings. And he was setting meetings up between China and his old man. And he was using his old man and his uncle, Jim Biden, to get high standing and upwards of $80,000 a month from these companies. What's odd is that we now see China coming forward, wanting to play with America, play nice again. Got these lists about how we can get back to normal and all this other stuff. And it's also coming out that Hunter Biden is pretty well uh, compromised by China. And we think Joe Biden is too. Isn't it funny that the one person that I ran in China... And Russia wanted to win the election, won the election. I don't know. If you ask me, I think it's a little odd. Actually, I don't. I take that back. I don't think it's odd at all. I think this was planned. I think it was planned. I think there was foreign interference uh, in our election. But I don't think it was like the foreign interference they claimed in 2016. I think there was foreign and domestic interference in it. Here's one for you. The Hunter Biden associate text hint at push to get Joe Biden invoked involved made it look like truly family business and text messages dating back to 2017 hunters now ex hunter biden's now ex-associates james gillar and tony bibelinski discussed a breakdown of the joint venture with cefc the stakes and appeared to hint at discussion about getting the now president-elect involved once again going back years ago they have a business dealing with china and they're bringing in the Bidens. Hunter Biden, who's a classic misfit, okay, who his dad just told Stephen Colbert is the smartest man he knows. He had to bring his dad in to work out a deal with a Chinese energy firm. And now China's happy that Biden's in because it's going to take it easy on him. I don't know. You know, This is just so... Out in left field of what's going on right now in this country. And I kind of had to ramble through a lot of this. Once again, it's one of those things you get set up to have a co-host. You don't have them, so that's my bad. Uh, hell, we're at almost 50 minutes. I've done pretty good so far. If you can listen to me for 50 minutes, shit, you got this, you got this made in the shade. Like I said, I don't want to see our country torn to shreds. Unfortunately after the stuff we just ran through. That's what I think you're going to see. I don't think there's any way around it. I don't want our country owned by China. I don't think anybody does. I don't want our country owned by Russia, who has just found out that they've been hacking us for the past nine months. In almost all levels of the government, how did this Christopher Krabs, who just turned on Donald Trump and the administration, not know about it? I don't know. A lot of information to come out. This is not trending in a good direction. I think everybody needs to keep their powder dry here. I think this is getting really ugly. And I think you've got foreign actors that are really interested in getting Biden in there and getting Trump out. And I hate to say this because I, I don't want to see anybody assassinated. 
I don't want to see Biden assassinated. I don't want to see Donald Trump assassinated. So don't take it as that. Don't, don't misconstrue the words I'm about to say here. Please don't. But I think that Donald Trump's life is on the line. I think if he pulls this out and his legal team, Jenna Ellis, Rudy Giuliani, and then you've got the Lynn Woods and the Sidney Powell's, I think if these people pull it out and flip this, there'll be an assassination attempt. Mark my words. I don't know any way around it. I mean, the Clintons don't like Donald Trump, and look at what they've done. Uh, Seth Rich, uh, Vince Foster, and the list goes on and on and on about suspicious deaths that were linked to the Clintons. Not to mention the fact of what's going on in Georgia right now. And this is something I want to close with real quick. I was talking to somebody earlier today about Georgia. So we believe they threw the election in Georgia. We talked about the the TCF Center, State Farm Arena, I think it was, it, Fulton County, uh, all the shenanigans that went on down there. Somebody was concerned, okay, and this person agrees with me, that uh, Governor Kemp and Secretary of State Raffensperger, Rhinos, we know Raffensperger on, I think he said January 7th, is going to switch his party. He's going to go from Republican to Democrat. They were concerned that the same thing that happened in the presidential election is going to happen in the runoffs. And I got to tell you, I don't think that's going to happen. I hope it doesn't. I'll do it. You know, I want to see everything in our power done to make sure that doesn't happen. Take all precautions. Any Georgians out there, get out and vote. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But even rhinos, Republicans in name only, do not want to see Democrats get full control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. They don't want to see it. So... If Raffensperger, if I'm pronouncing his damn name correctly, if Raffensperger and Kemp are somehow in on this and somehow know about the fraud, then hopefully they can curtail it to make sure that Purdue and Loeffner get in. Last time I checked, Purdue and Loeffner both had a 3% lead over Ossoff and Warnock, who are two complete shitbags of uh, the human race. I mean, they are uh, walking turds, okay? So I think this is going to turn out okay. Now, every, everybody can be wrong. This is just my feeling on this. This is me trying to use my logic, what little logic I have left anymore, to maybe it's to make myself feel better. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'll start talking in tongues and say something else here in a little bit. Maybe it's divine intervention. I don't know. But I think that uh, Loeffner and Purdue are going to emerge victorious in the Georgia runoff. Now, the reason I brought up maybe that's what I want to happen because I really do want that to happen. I think it's going to happen. I feel confident in that. But at the same time, I really want that to happen because if Loeffner and Purdue both lose, we're done. We're toast. They've got everything at that point. No amount of investigations, no amount of Donald Trump's lawyers will ever fix anything again. I've said this before, and I just want to reiterate. A full, a fully democratic, we'll call them liberal, controlled government will do a couple things. They'll get rid of the Electoral College. Okay? They're going to get rid of that. Hillary Clinton's already calling for it. They will make the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico states 
gaining House and Senate seats. At least, at the very minimum, Senate seats. That's what they're looking for. That widens their margin up a lot more in the Senate. They will also, and here's a kicker to this, allow more immigrants into the United States, which means more votes. If it goes to a popular vote, we're done. We're done. Now, a lot of people would say, well, popular vote, that sounds right. I mean, making all the... The problem is you've got, you've got New York, Chicago, and California. I say Chicago, I should say shit. you got New York, Illinois, California... And maybe one or two other states that decide what the other 46 or 47 states get to deal with. And it ain't right. That's why we have the Electoral College. And they will get rid of it. Not to mention the fact there's 18 million assault weapons in the country. Those are going to be gone. They'll be gone in a heartbeat. They won't be able to stop it. All the freedoms and liberties we have right now are on the line with Georgia. You name it, they'll take it away. If, if they think that something correlates to a Trump voter, a Republican, a conservative, they'll take it away from you. Biden's already outlined his gun control plan. And he's going to put that dipshit Beto O'Rourke in charge of it. You remember Beto O'Rourke? Damn right we'll take your AR-15s. Damn right we'll take your AK-47s. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Going to be his gun czar. Anyway, we're going to wrap it tonight. I think I did okay. You know, I had a couple of rambling moments, but that's okay. I mean, it's, it's how it goes. You kind of you have good nights, you have bad nights. You win some, you lose some. Uh, hopefully, I covered some things that people wanted to hear. Hopefully, I didn't burn everybody out too bad. Uh, and tell you what, we're going to catch you this weekend. We're going to catch you next week uh, with Eldonzo and Dee's. And then I'm going to be dropping my smaller, I, yes, I apologize for tonight for the long ones, but we're going to be dropping the smaller podcast starting on Rumble next week. So get out there to Parlor, check me out. We're going to have some good, concise stuff going on. And uh, this is Aldonzo. I'm out, baby. Insanity in my earpiece. Hey, this is Eldonzo with 92.8 FM, The Rain. I wanted to encourage all my lady listeners out there tonight to get a nice hot bubble bath going. Maybe pour some Chardonnay, light up a camel cigarette, and pleasure yourselves while you listen to Eldonzo spin a stack of racks the likes of Kenny G. This is Eldonzo with 92.8 The Rain, and we'll be right back, girls. <laughs>